Hello and welcome back to the Heal and Jotter podcast, a podcast that keeps you up to date with the latest ongoings within the WWE. In this week's episode, we're going to give you some news, talk about the latest Raw and SmackDown, um, and also just a big thank you to anyone who's come over from like our TikTok and our Instagram and things like that. Lauren, we went viral this week. Was it viral? Like, well, do you, ca- it is do you cast for that us. as viral? So. We have, you know, we we did have under a hundred followers on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. Um, we've had a few posts on TikTok get a lot of views, but not much. Yeah. Um, and Instagram, we were trash out. Instagram, we had maybe we get like ten likes. Yeah. We posted a theory from the podcast, and we it posted just... this Wednesday night, eight p.m. And as of Sunday, um, we currently have. 61,000 views on TikTok with two and a half thousand likes. And on Instagram, we have almost 30K views with 1,500 likes. So for us, that's massive. For a small podcast like this, we've only really kind of just started to get, like, find our feet with it really get into a rhythm of it and like gone away and like tried to improve things like that. And also for a TikTok, which we posted randomly on a Wednesday evening, to then wake up the next morning and it's just it's kind of just making the rounds that was really really cool so if you have joined us from our tiktok or instagram thank you very much for tuning in um, it's really appreciated can we and, just uh, talk about it for a second well, so this has proven to me how funny wwe fans are so the tiktok is the theory from last week that i said about is there actually a contract in damien priest's um money in the bank case or has uh, jd mcdonough swapped it for finn so finn's gonna use it anyway we've got we've had probably 300 comments and out of them comments it's either people saying oh my god this is the best theory in the world this has to happen tagging triple h in or it's people going this is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard in my life it's so stupid why would you even think this but i think it's i think that's the whole that's the fun of it that's the reason we started a podcast is because we're quite opposite in the way we view things um, and it's nice to get that sort of like community engagement as well, like to talk about, you know, is it is it a possibility? Is it not? Is it not? And just like opening your mind to sort of like this new way of, of, of thinking. I think with like Triple H being in charge now, um, you know, and sort of the end of the Vince era, I kind of just feel like anything could go really. I, I don't feel like you could say it doesn't work that way or, you know, because it can change. So, um, yeah, so a big thank you to anyone who checked that out and anyone who's come over from TikTok or Instagram that's, uh, that's tuning in. Um, it's really appreciated. And hopefully you stick around with us uh, for the future. So, yes, uh, I guess we'll start off with uh, some general news. Um, one news is that I am now making notes again. And yeah, you my, are making notes yeah, again. I've made notes again. And also my notes are very professional. So um, obviously I'm the jobber in the heel and jobber name. And so quite often when I'm describing moves, I'm describing them as so-and-so has them by the neck and swings them around and hits them on the head. And it's basically, I'm really rubbish at knowing the names of moves. So I've tried my best this week to take really good notes, but also take notes of all the names. So we sound a bit more professional. Good, good. Right. So on to the news. Um, I just want to quickly touch upon, we spoke about last week that Giovanni Vinci um, got injured on uh, Monday Night Raw, day one edition of Monday Night Raw um, against Kofi Kingston. It has been confirmed now that it is going to be out uh, for a couple of weeks after that. So um, we don't expect him to see him there. But I feel, I feel it looks as if Raw or the WWE, sorry, are sort of shifting that into a storyline a little bit, which we'll get into later on. 
Charlotte Flair um, has also, I think she's about to undergo knee surgery or she's undergone knee surgery um, and they think she'll be out until fall 2024. So we're not going to see her until after SummerSlam, I presume now. Yep. On another subject, uh, there's been some discussions within uh, the world of wrestling this week in which Roman Reigns is apparently not scheduled for WWE Elimination Chamber, according to Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer. Uh, what do you think about that? I think I think it's just a, I think it's a tease, really. I feel I feel like it would be stupid to not have Roman Reigns at Australia's first PLE event. So two things on that. Um, yeah, it'd be mad, but also there was the whole thing about the rock coming back was that Sydney really wanted him to be there at elimination chamber. If he's at elimination chamber, who's he fighting? If it's not Roman reigns. Mm. Well, Dave Meltzer wrote regarding the reigns versus rock match. Well, I presume it's WrestleMania and then brackets and could possibly be a three way with Rhodes, but I don't think that will come out until many weeks from now. What we did have confirmed three way. That's what, that's what he thinks is going to happen at WrestleMania. Shit that. What we did have confirmed is the Australia rumors aren't accurate. Reigns is not even scheduled for the show. He's never been advertised and there are no plans for him for that day right now. Odd. I think that's very odd for the WWE to do that. Because thinking back, I said to you when we found this out, at Clash of the Castle, we were, we were lucky to see Roman versus Drew uh, in the main event. And that was the first PLE event in the UK in you know, almost over a decade. Then the year after, we get money in the bank at, at the O2 Arena in London. Reigns is fighting then because we had the Civil Line Blood War. The Civil Line Blood War? I said that civil, all completely wrong. The Bloodline civil, civil War. So I think it would be, yeah, very, very silly on WWE's behalf to not have Reigns there. What if elimination... Oh, no. I was going to say, what if Cody dethrones Roman first? But he can't because he can't do an elimination chamber and Cody's not fighting him at... What if Cody isn't the one? What if he does get dethroned at Royal Rumble? Just saying... Just saying. Well, what we do know is that CM Punk will, in fact, be at the WWE Elimination Chamber, as apparently they've announced him uh, for making an appearance in Perth. So you ain't getting Reigns be again, CM Punk. So you prefer the you prefer the two though, though, wouldn't you? You yeah. know. Um, also, one I want to quickly touch upon this week is that uh, this week uh, WWE Backlash tickets went on sale for Backlash France. I was part of the pre-sale and I was part of the general sale, and yeah, I didn't I didn't get tickets because by the time I queued up for pre-sale, I clicked, you know, to go into the pre-sale the minute it, it went live. There was like twelve thousand people in front of me. By the time I got in there, everything was sold out. Bar bar ringside seats, pretty much everything sold out. But what's interesting is Bash of Berlin still isn't. Still isn't sold out. And I really think, I think partially it's because I, th- I believe the the arena that they're performing in in France is a lot smaller than the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Berlin. But also the pricing structure was a, was, a, was a tad different. I think it was a little bit cheaper to go to France. The pricing on Bash in Berlin is, is awful. It's really, really bad. And that's why it's not being sold out right now. Because if you want to go middle tier, you're going to be spending over a thousand euros just to go middle tier. You're nowhere near the ring and you're spent, already spending a thousand euros. Do you think people want to go as well because it's Backlash? Whereas obviously Bash in Berlin is just a random PLA. I, th- I think it is that as well. Like you've, yeah. got, you've got to remember like this is, that's going to be the first PLE after WrestleMania. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, wanting to get your revenge or whatever is like that so it's going to come off a big hype train where um bastion berlin is mid-august or something like that but that's all in oh a little bit more news as well sorry because we're recording this on a sunday and we were talking about it this morning 
TNA Impact had a mad night last night. Gossip. Yeah, TNA hard to kill. Huge, huge gossip. Lauren. Well, this is again one of them things where social media ruins everything. But Bailey and Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet um, were there. Both kind of disguised. They had sunglasses on, hoods up, trying not to be seen. Um, but they were in like a boxy mm-hmm. supporting Trinity. Is that Trinity Fatu? Fat- yes, Is it Jimmy's, uh, Jim, Jimmy's, Jimmy's wife. wife. Um, could this, and also Triple H was there. And CM Punk was and there. And CM Punk was there. Could this be the return of Trinity and Sasha Banks to WWE? Will we see them teaming up with Bailey as a new faction when she eventually loses Judgment Day? Uh, not Judgment Day, Damage Control. Damage Control, because we spoke about Judgment Day all yeah. this week, I said, I mind. So it, what's interesting, though, is that Trinity actually lost her championship belt last night at the event. So Big it, move that if she's yeah, lost it. If there's a way to go out, you would go out that way and then move to WWE. So what, what I'm thinking is, I think you might have said this, is that Sasha and Trinity return at the Royal Rumble. I think they'll help Bailey win the Royal Rumble. But it'll almost be like a face-off between them and and Damage Control. There's got, I think there's going to be some sort of twist there where that's going to be the pivotal turning point of Bailey moving away from Damage Control, and that's when she will win it. And uh, I think she'll call out Io Sky to well, face her at WrestleMania. Yeah, like we'll talk about it when we talk about uh, everything that happened on SmackDown. Um, but I think that's definitely going to happen. We're, we're moving to yeah. that. But also, there were some debuts that happened at TNA as well. Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is, yeah. now at T- is now at TNA. Top Dollar is also at TNA. Was he? Yeah, and Dana Brooke is also at TNA now. Strange but, name she's but got. But she's under a different name. And Dolph Ziggler, of course, under a different name as well. Dana Brooks was like something by elegance. I can't remember yeah, what her name Ash was. Ash by elegance. Ash by elegance. Like what a strange name. It sounds like a perfume. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's all the news I kind of have this week, all the, all the what I thought was quite interesting news, that is. Um, so let's move on to Monday Night Raw this week. Lauren, do you want to kick us off? So we started off um, with a Drew promo, um, which I really liked this promo. I thought he did really well with it. He came out and he kind of said, you know, he was the person that was holding himself back. Um, and he says, you know, maybe I need to leave. Maybe the thing that's best for me right now is if I leave WWE. Um, and then he kind of changes his tone and says, no, actually, um, the reason why he lost last week to Seth was because Damien screwed him over by trying to cash in mid-match. Um, and then while he's ranting, he goes on and he says a quote, which I really liked, which was, maybe I should leave for nine years and then I'll get a hero reception on my return. Clearly a dig at CM Punk. So what happens? CM Punk's music is. Well, of course, it's the rules, right? If you mention someone's name, they've yeah. got to come out. So CM Punk comes out. He does this quite funny thing where um, he basically wants to say, he basically says to him, you know, like, say what you want. The floor's yours. And to, like, kind of say the floor's yours. He, um, how would you describe it? He... Well, just like leans up on the turnbuckle, like he's yeah. laying, laying on the ropes. Like yeah. He's so his feet's take, off the taking floor. Taking his feet off the ring. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny. Um. Drew, Drew, I really liked Drew in this promo. He's really good. He had a load of stuff. He said, you know, CM Punk used to declare himself as the leader. And then he was kind of like, I'm your leader now, kid. Um, And then he passed it over to CM Punk and blah, blah, blah. One thing I like CM Punk said was, I'm not a demon. I'm Satan when pushed. Ooh, powerful. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he basically said, see you at the Royal Rumble. And guess what? I'm going to throw you out last. And that was the end of the promo. One thing I did say was I thought Drew did really well in the promo. 
CM Punk sounded quite rehearsed. It all sounded really rehearsed, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is unusual for someone like Punk because yeah. you feel like he, being the pipe bomb that he is, you feel like he's quite confident on the mic and things like that. It comes so, quite natural, but yeah, it felt it like he was reading him, the script. All felt, if it all felt quite, yeah, like you said, quite scripted. And it also went on... It went on for quite a long while as well. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of overextended its welcome. Considering last week on day one, we got straight into the action of the matches. We're going back to that usual, like, formula. Let's do a 20-minute promo, and then we go into a match, you yeah. know? So, but when a match, when a promo feels that long, it kind of, like, takes you out of, out of the momentum of wanting to go into Monday Night Raw, you know? Because it's a long show anyways. But going on to that, then we had our first match, which was Tommaso Ciampa versus Finn Balor. Now, there was also a really cool way that Tommaso Ciampa went to the ring, right? And I think you said it's because Kevin Dunn's no longer being a director of the cameras or anything like that anymore. So we actually saw Tommaso Ciampa given a promo. <laughs> what? You just had such a little, like, I was talking a lot and I was getting quite salivary. But yes, so we saw Tommaso Ciampa doing a promo on his way to the ring alongside Johnny Gargano, but he was walking through backstage and then into Gorilla and then going through the curtain. And it was quite a nice way to, it was quite a cool way actually to sort of see, but you, you kind of see behind the scenes and things like that. But I think it's definitely taken a new take now on how you, how the show is going to be directed. Yeah, and um, we saw a backstage segment of how this match came about because it was kind of a strange match. And basically, our truth set this match up. Our truth is playing Judgment Day like a fiddle at the moment. But it's so well done. Like it's yeah. it's really funny. And to so watch. it's um, really enjoyable. He basically said, um, "You know, I've set this match up." Blah blah blah. They were like, "We don't want the match." Um, and he was, our truth was like, oh, okay, I'll go and tell Adam Pierce that Finn Balor's a scaredy cat and that's why he doesn't want to do it. And Finn's always like, I'm not a scaredy cat. And he was like, no, no, it's fine. I'll tell him you're a scaredy cat and you don't want to do it. So Finn's like, no, no, I'll do this. Um, but yeah, it's just funny that we get that backstage segment to see, you know, it's our truth orchestrating what's happening with Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. So this was a pretty standard formula of sort of like an intro match. You know, you had the heel sort of playing into the upper hand, which the heel being Finn Balor here, and then the baby face going back and forth and things like that. There were some quite good spots in the match, if I'm not mistaken, Lauren. Did you take you took some notes of that, right? Yeah, uh, Damien causes a distraction at one point, um, and Champa hits the announcer's table um, because of it. Uh, Champa did a really nice reverse DDT, which I really liked, um, and he also did a power bomb. Backbreaker. Yeah, the power which was bomb really backbreaker cool. was really, yeah. really cool. So you know what's quite interesting is that apparently Ch- Champa and Bala were in a non-battle royal together. Um, sorry, the last time Champa and Bala were sort of fighting each other was in a non-battle royale tag team match. It was in Raw 2022. So they almost haven't had a match in like two years, essentially. Have they not had a tag team match no. against each other? No, is, no. It, is that just singles? They teamed up to take on Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Oh, that surely as as teammates. Yeah, then. sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. I was about to say they've definitely fought against as DIY against Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. But um, Gagano and Priest eventually we get we get to the sort of the the yeah, end of the match there, and Gagano and Priest get into a fight at ringside that caused Champa to leave the ring and help his friend. As Bala was about to suplex Champa into the ring, Gagano pulled his foot and allowed Champa to fall on top of him for the win. Yeah, it was a really Which was interesting. interesting way to win. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I felt as if. Because I, I went up when they got it was the one, clever. You know, when Champa got the one two three though, I kind of looked at you and was like, "That's odd. Like, why? Why are the tag team title holders like losing? Because they always lose. No, Judgment know, Day get buried all the time. They do get buried, but it's a, re- it's a really strange, really strange one to me. You know what I mean? Like, 
they're supposed to be do- a dominant faction. They're supposed to hold all the gold. They're supposed to... It just didn't feel that way. It was odd. But I think we're moving into maybe going into a phase of more, hopefully more tag team title matches going on because I haven't seen a lot of that recently. Yeah. So moving on. Uh, next, we had Kofi Kingston versus Ludwig Kaiser. And obviously this came off the back of last week when um, Kofi Kingston accidentally... Well, we don't know what he hit um, Giovanni Vinci in a um, it was like a drop kick midair, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Giovanni Vinci's head smashed against the ring. Mm-hmm. I think he's concussed. He said he's fine. We've not had any confirmation of what this injury was. Um, and so this was Ludwig Kaiser, obviously getting back at Kofi Kingston. Did you just say we think he's okay? We think he's fine. When I just did I just tell you five minutes ago that he's actually injured and he's going to be out. Well, he said, no, I say he said he's fine, oh, right, but they've yeah. not announced what his injury is. No, no, they've but just he's said... going to be out for a couple of weeks now. Okay, yeah, but I think, I think, I think it's just a concussion, he's, he's isn't probably, it? Yeah, he's probably on like concussion watch or yeah. something like that. Why, why is that when you have like a head injury yeah. you have to concussion. be out for a couple of weeks? Okay. <laughs> um, but one thing I was saying when this happened is this is a big opportunity for Ludwig Kaiser. He's part of Imperium. He's got Gunther, the one of the greatest, well, probably the greatest intercontinental champion ever. And then he's been stuck in a tag team with um, Giovanni Vinci. This is a big opportunity for him to prove how good he can be solo or how good he can be um, without anyone there to support him, you know? Well, this is what we were saying before. I think it's, a, like you said, it's a good opportunity that there, and I think it's going to allow us to look at a slow burn overarch of how Imperium's going to break up. And I really do feel like it's going to be an internal breakup of maybe like someone like Lowe Kaiser that will turn on the Ring General and uh, maybe try and go for the Intercontinental title. Ludwig Kaiser loves his character. He, the, he, like, he does a really good job at it. He is so good at it. And you can just tell he enjoys every single minute of playing that heel who thinks he's, what's that word he uses where he's like, basically says that he's like the best. He's like, Ludwig Kaiser is something elegant. Yeah, he's not like Euro- European excellence yeah. or something like that. Um, but he just loves playing that character and he plays it so well and he, yeah, he smashes it. There was a really cool moment within the match um, in which he takes Kofi, he throws Kofi Kingston out the ring ringside, goes over the top ropes and said, you took Vinci's head and now I'm going to take your head. I thought that was really, yeah. really cool within the match. But it's clear to say that Kaiser had a lot more height and power over Kofi Kingston as well, right? Like he kind of towered over him and like, what are you laughing for? What are you laughing? It's clear to it, see well, because I've changed my voice when yeah. I go into like trying to, yeah. I go into like Anna analytic mode yeah there was some cool moves um there's a cool move when kofi was hanging upside down off the top turnbuckle and kaiser did like a running slide kick at him um kofi did a really cool suicide dive um but he suicide dived into um Ludwig kaiser's right fist essentially Mm -hmm. which is really cool outside the ring uh, Kaisel had some brutal stomps during the match i wrote that down brutal slaps brutal stomps um, the whole point of this match is obviously it was a revenge match and Kaiser really played into that of like 
what's the word like arrogance and just yeah. throwing him around and you know there was a lot of brutality in there's the match. some good chops there as well you know that being being you know imperium like with kaiser's gonna get some slaps on the chest yeah. uh which is unusual because uh, kofi kingston was giving it back as well and kofi's not known for doing that no but um, the match actually ended as a disqualification, no, a double, count out, a double count out. A double count out. So Kofi tries to get back in the ring on the count of eight, but Kaiser pulls him out to ensure that it ends in a double count out. Um, and then Kaiser starts poking Kofi in the eyes and the commentators are going, oh, he's trying to blind him, yeah. you know, showing showing kind of the brutality towards it. Um, something that's really interesting is that all the backstage refs and everyone came out to break them up because obviously the fight's over, it's a double count out. And all the crowd are shouting, let them fight, let them fight, because yeah. they wanted to see it out. Um, and Kaiser throws a chair at Kofi. This is really interesting because this is what... Was well, it Imperium? It's an announcer's chair, wasn't Yeah, the it? announcer's chair. Was it Imperium or was it Judgment Day or somebody? Somebody threw a chair at Xavier Woods and broke his hand or something yeah, it was, recently. it was almost like... You did this to us, so I'm going to do it to yeah. you, wasn't it? The officials were shite. I mean, they were meant to. to <laughs> but they do nothing. They just watch it all happen. Um, he does a running kick on Kofi's head on the steel steps. Um, running drop kick. Running drop kick. And then eventually they separate them. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's never fun to do like a double count out, is it? Because I feel like it's quite a cheap way to finish a match, I think. But I think in this instance, and for the sake of the story, I think it was pretty good. I think it was needed. And like you said, I think it goes to show that Logan Kaiser can be, can run the shots if he wants to within Imperium. And yeah, it's like I said, it's going to be a slow overarching story there uh, for the sake of Imperium and Logan Kaiser. But moving on, we then had a tag team title match. No, we didn't. Do we not? Do no. we have a promo in between? We did. And it was a very strange promo. Um, Michael Cole stepped into the ring. This is the second time now. Second time that the announcers, the commentators, sorry, have been in the ring. Yeah. But he announces Nia Jax. And the way he announces her, he says, the favourite to win the Royal Rumble. Interesting. She ain't winning it. Do you not think? No, definitely not. There is no way. If you announce her as the, the favourite to win, she ain't winning it. I don't. I, I wouldn't like to see Nia Jax win it, but that's because I'm not a Nia Jax fan. But I think for the sake of other storylines within the WWE, I feel like, like I said, when we said earlier, someone like Bailey is probably a good choice there. Yeah. I would, do you know what? Talking about like if, if Sasha Banks came back um, or Trinity came back, I, do you know what? I, I wouldn't even want to see them win it. No, they I, shouldn't. I, to me, I feel like that's really cheap. Yeah. It's a really cheap way of getting over. And it's the same for when, it's why I got quite annoyed with when CM Punk came back at War Games because it was cool that it was in Chicago, it was in his hometown and things like that. But it was when he came back and how the stories all of a sudden have to change and revolve around him. Yeah. And when you watch a show for seven, eight months and you're building up to these storylines and you, you like someone like Cody, like finishing the story and things like that, okay, you can pivot and things like that. But it's how you go about it. And I feel like it's just a bit cheap for yeah. me. Yeah. So Michael Cole is interviewing Nia Jax and says, you shocked the world. And Nia's like, shocked? I wasn't shocked. How did I shock the world? I'm just doing what I was always meant to do. Basically I'll saying tell you that what's she's shocking. amazing. i tell you what's shocking with Nia Jax. Her bloody personality. She has a personality <laughs> of fucking white paint. Well, quite funny. She actually threatens to break Cole's face. Oh, yeah. Which is such a funny thing for her to say. Because that really gives you character, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and basically, she says that she wants to win the Royal Rumble because she wants to take on Rhea. Who comes out? 
Rhea Ripley. Well, that's the rules. Um, and Rhea's like, keep my name out your mouth, which always reminds me of the Will Smith, where it's like, keep my wife's name <laughs> out your mouth. Yeah. Um, it was kind of said in that way. Um, and then they have a bit of a one-to-one. It was actually quite a powerful one-to-one, I thought. Um, and Naya says, you know, I'm going to put you on your ass and you're too scared to verse me one-on-one. And she gets really close in her face and it looks like they're about to kiss. And then she says, see you soon, unstoppable champ, and leaves. Interesting, isn't it? Like... It was like I said, it was quite a powerful like one to one, but there was no fighting in it. Do you think that's what makes it powerful? The fact that they walk away from each other and it's kind of like a you're dragging it out to get these two powerhouses together. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think it's how it would go. There was no cheap shots. I don't like the cheap shots where it's like, eh, slap each other up. Do you know what I mean? Like I like it when it's a bit more sophisticated. Do you know what though? Like overall, Nia Jax versus Rhea Ripley. Doesn't doesn't excite me, really doesn't. No, and I don't want to see it, and it's not needed. And Nia Jax just shouldn't win. It's, it's not. Jax isn't going to win. It's kind of the issue with WWE at the moment. Like I think what I saw was the reason Nia Jax came back is because she asked Triple H if there was any more work for her or if there was any work for her. Was and he it? Said yes. He said yes. You can come back and do some work because she actually got let go, didn't yeah. she? And things like that. But for me, when you look at someone like TNA, right? Like, you know, Dana Brooks back there or whatever. Dolph Ziggler's back there. You have Top Dog. We're not going to talk about him. Um, but then you look at AEW, some of the talent over there too. You look at some of the talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's so much more better wrestlers with better personalities than someone like Nia Jax, yet you employ Nia Jax. I start, it sounds like I'm really hating on her here. I'm just saying there's there's better pieces of bread on the table. I think she might have been bought back for two reasons. I think one is to get a different image. You know, she looks different to everyone else. She's over six foot. She's huge. Um, I feel like it was to get a different vibe. So not all the women wrestlers are the same. But also, I do think you have an advantage if you're part of the bloodline. What well, part of that family? Yeah. You know, wow. I think they're quite favorited. And I think that I think that Triple H would ideally like to collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like their Pokemon. But anyways, up next was the rematch for the women's tag team titles between Kate. Carter, Caden Carter, and what's the other one, sorry? Caden Carter, Carter and somebody Chance, Ka- Katana Chance. Caden Carter and Katana I Chance. A, I just call her Carter and Chance, but I feel like for the sake of the podcast, yeah. we need to be more. Why have you tag team two women who have the exact same name? It's quite confusing. They're I can't both tell them Casey. Caden yeah, Carter, Katana Chance, Casey, so, yeah. Casey. Yeah, it was Carter and Chance uh, versus Piper Niven and Chelsea Green, which I'm still really annoyed that... You know, Samantha can announce Chelsea, Chelsea Green, Green like that. Like I, it just—it doesn't feel right to me now. Where Chelsea Green comes out and she just says Chelsea Green, I want to hear her say it like that. Fun fact for you all that um, I learned from watching Raw: wow. Carter and Chance are actually the longest reigning NXT Women's Champions ever. Do you know what? Like with those two holding the tag team titles right now, I ain't mad. I quite enjoy it. And considering for the last three episodes, I complained that out of Chelsea Green and Piper Niven, the only person that should have had the tag team titles was Chelsea Green alone because I felt Piper Niven wasn't meeting up to the criteria. It's quite nice to see an actual tag team hold the titles. It is, 
but I need to see them do a promo because at yeah, the moment yeah. we've only seen like video clips of them as ravers because apparently that's their personality. Yeah. What it's are they like? Yeah. What are they like actually in the ring doing a promo? Because they need to be able to do that to be a champ. What was that? What did I say to you that like if if your personality is raving and EDM, like you're stuck in 2012, yeah. like that's really old school that. But anyways, this was this was pretty a pretty competitive match when you say so. Yeah. Um. I mean. Carter and Chance, were they um, cheerleaders at some point in their life or gymnasts? Because they're both. Because they're quite quite in sync, isn't they? With with any any of the high flying stuff they do. I feel like if you watch them as a tag team, you are expecting to see some big moves. And of course, they did that. So we saw Carter do an amazing springboard leg drop. Really, really impressive. Um, Kind of one of their signature moves is where um, Chance does a Hurricane Rana. Um, from the top rope yeah so carter's basically sat on the turnbuckle on the top rope and has um chelsea green on her shoulders and then um chance basically jumps off the top rope and does a hurricane rana so it's like you know you kind of see the men do it but it's much more impressive when these two do it because it's so much higher yeah um, which is really cool. Piper did a big Vader bomb on Chelsea. Um, so basically, this was kind of the turning point in the match where um, I don't know which it didn't. So if it was Carter they, or they tried to put Carter in position for a Vader bomb. Yeah, but Chance pulled her partner out of the ring and tripped Green, so she ended up. Uh, underneath Piper Niven and she was the one that took the impact of the Vader bomb which I think then called for the end of the match right yeah there was um so trying to be really professional with my notes I don't know what Carter and Chance's signature move is is it a K stand or is it a cake stand yeah I I was listening I I think it might be if they're going down the route of like the EDM raver thing I think it might be the cake stand Mm mm-hmm in homage maybe to someone like Steve Aoki who throws yeah. cakes at people at his shows. But I don't know. If anyone's listening and they know, just yeah. let us know. DM us on Instagram but or TikTok or whatever. Essentially Carter holds chance up. So Carter's standing. Chance is doing a handstand on Carter's hands essentially and she does the twist it's very much a gymnastic move it's very very impressive and google it because it's really cool to watch they do that they retain and I'm happy yeah so uh, but where does where does Chelsea Green and Piper Niven stand now uh, are we going to see more of them are we going to see them have a little break are they going to separate like well, what do you think really funny so Chelsea Green on Twitter um, has actually tagged Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce. And the ref that refereed their match and says that she wants a meeting with them all because that ref needs to be fired because it's ridiculous <laughs> that she lost. Um, so she's still playing into it. I think, you know, Chelsea puts a lot of effort in outside of just the shows. She's not just coming up to Raw on a Monday, doing her show and leaving. Like she'll be on social media. She'll be doing, putting a lot of work in on the promo. So I think she deserves to still be in with a chance. I'd be quite interested to see if Chelsea and Piper split, if Chelsea... If Chelsea keeps trying to win the titles, keeps losing and goes, Piper, you're the reason I'm losing, splits from her and then kind of goes through the women, like the mid-card women on the roster to try and find somebody try to and beat find them. a new partner. Yeah. I think that would be quite good. Like every week it's a new person that she's trying to tag team I with. that would be good. Um, but we did see a backstage segment while this match was on of all the other tag teams. So there was kind of four main tag teams on Raw at the moment, wasn't there, who yeah. all won a chance. So you've got Maxine and Ivy Nile. You've got Tegan Knox and Natalia. Yeah, you've got um, Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark. And who's the other one? 
can't remember. Two more, but I yeah. thought it was quite. I, I said to you though when we saw that that backstage image, I was like, well, is that all there is for like mm. the women's division in Raw? It feels quite slim. I feel like the women's division is quite slim at the moment. But I think it's because a lot of people are tagged up with each other. You know what I mean? Other than like, I can't name any of the single competitors right now other than Rhea Becky, and that's well, it. Becky, yeah. Charlotte's obviously out and things like that. So. She's Smackdown anyway. Yeah, she's Smackdown. She is indeed. But moving on. To the best to part. To one of the best parts <laughs> of the evening. We, we like laughed the whole way through this, right? Yeah. So we then go on to a hilarious video package of our truth re- reminiscing or telling us how he joined the judgment yeah. day. So it's, it's really, as our truth is, it's very serious. And it starts with him going, I can still remember the day where I was born and the doctor held me in his arms. And he said, you'll be a part of the judgment <laughs> no, day. No, he said to him, he said, um, what he, he said it in a way that was like, he was like, you are going to be something. And he knew he was destined to be part of the judgment day. And there's a really cute image of all the judgment day, obviously no JD Madonna, but all the judgment day and our truth like AI'd as kids and mm. it's such a funny image. Um but yeah, do you want to carry on with it? I don't know. You have the notes, Lauren. I don't I, I didn't don't know write do you know what my notes say R Truth promo 10 out of 10 Live Laugh Love. <laughs> oh yeah Live Laugh Love and they've actually gone away and made uh, t-shirts yeah. of Live Laugh Love. What did he say? Uh, when I first met Tom and Nick Mysterio I don't know who yeah. that is. Yeah. Uh, or I don't know who they are. So no, he, did, he, he goes did... through them all he's like Damien Priest, yeah. Rhea, Rhea, Finn, Tom and Nick Mysterio I've still not met Nick. I've still not <laughs> met Nick. And then, I didn't get it at first you, you were crying laughter and you were like do you know what he just said? And I went what? He's like Tom and Nick. Oh, Dominic. Yeah. Uh, that that was really good. I like. Honestly, this is the funniest that I've ever seen. Our truth at the moment. I, yeah. I like it. Really brings life back into the show for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it is wrestling at the end of the day, and we are there to watch wrestling. But the way the the way this segment in our truth into the Judgment Day story and the backstage stuff that they're doing and things like that, it just breaks up the show in a nice format where yeah. you get some wrestling, you get a promo, you get a little bit of laughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. We don't want the whole show to be like it, but it's great for that bit. No, no. But he essentially, um, what's the word? Like photoshops himself into all the Judgment Day's greatest moments. So he photoshops himself on a ladder next to Damien Priest when he's getting the money in the bank. He photoshops them like in their promo images. Obviously, JD Madonna's not in any of these. Um, and then, yeah, he says at the end, he goes, you know, the Judgment Day motto, we live, we laugh we love and it ends <laughs> so yeah. and it, yeah it's really really good and then we get another little segment of judgment day fuming being like we don't say that how dare he do that this is ridiculous we need to sort him out yeah so if you did it, i i would urge everyone if they didn't see it go watch it i think it's probably it's got to be on youtube hasn't it like the whole the whole promo yeah. thing but that leads us in to a match of the miz versus jd mcdonough yeah, why don't we just talk about this match? JD Madonna comes out with Dominic Mysterio. Why does Dominic Mysterio wear a Judgment Day t-shirt as a t-shirt and a Judgment Day t-shirt as a skirt? And why is it the same t-shirt? It's very strange. It's not a vibe. I don't get it. It's just to like promote the the merch, isn't it? Really, it looks I think. weird. It does look weird. Also, JD McDonough's like purple trunks looked way too small for him. Yeah. And the purple, I'll be honest, the purple doesn't suit him. It should be black with purple. It should purple. be black with like purple accents and yeah. I think. But who are we to who are we to judge? <laughs> he as he came out, JD Madonna, he like kind of spit fog and it looked oh, very cool. Oh, that was cool. kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Cool. it would kind of reminded me of uh, of the Gun Brothers in AEW. Mm-hmm. So the match starts and our truth comes out, of course. 
Oh, of course, yeah. And he's on the side of, well, he's on the side of, uh, you know, the Judgment Day. But he's the, I feel like they're doing a weird thing where he's on the side of the Judgment Day, but he's kind of like backing Miz at the same time. And I think having Truth associated with Miz at the moment is really good because I think it's also elevating Miz to be less of a heel and more of a face now. And I think that's the direction they're going in with yeah. the Miz. And I mean, Wade even said as the commentator, he said... Um, I don't understand what R-Truth is doing. He says he's part of Judgment Day, but then he's he's cheering for JD Madonna, but he's also cheering for The Miz. So it's just part of the character. We don't really know what he's trying to do with it. Yeah. The match also went on for quite a while. I think he went through a commercial break and everything, didn't it? And it's, you kind of think this would have been like a five-minute match. But I think cool because, because of the essence of R-Truth involved and the hilarity around that, around that I think they're giving them more, more time on yeah. screen. So, I mean, J.D., so we all know, we like J.D. Madonna. We think he's a great seller. But he had some really cool moves on this. So he did a corkscrew over the top rope, which is really good. Um, there was a funny moment where the crowd are going, J.D. sucks, and our truth is going, what? And they're going, J.D. sucks. He's like, say it. Like, he's egging them on to do it, which is really funny. And then Dom kind of looks at him, and he turns to Dom, and he's like, I'm not doing it. He holds his hand up, like, I'm not doing anything. It wasn't me. Didn't mean to do that. Mm. Um. Miz kicks, uh, wait, what's his note say? Oh yeah, so the Miz basically hurts JD's legs and so he targets the back of his leg a lot um, and he does a spinning 360. I don't know what that note is. I don't know what note I've this made This is there. the issue when you, yeah. when, you, when you watch so much wrestling in one week and then you try to record a podcast, you forget what it was. But he does a really cool figure of four on JD. Figure of four? Figure, fig, 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 what was <laughs> Do you mean do you mean like like the lock Rick Fair's yeah. lock? Yeah, it's called the finger four leg lock. Finger four. Yeah, it's not the f- right. Well, my notes say figure of four. Wait, I <laughs> no, it's the wrong. no, it's the leg, it's the leg lock. So if I've got that wrong, I thought I. This is why I am the jobber. Okay, I'm trying no, my no, best. No, I'm the jobber. It is the figure of four. I've always called it the finger four. Well, how would it be the finger four? I don't know. Because, <laughs> no, I always thought it was the finger four because. Rick Flair was part of the Four Horsemen, so I thought it was the Finger Four leg lock. Okay, so this like might this might lock. be completely wrong, but I thought it was the Figure of Four because I thought the position the it legs is. were in. No, it does look a four. It looks like a number four. Yeah, is that why it is? Okay, four. that's what I thought it I'm was. I'm an idiot. I, I'm just <laughs> a complete brain fart, and, and you can call me the jobber for today. That, that, that's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. I I felt embarrassed then because I was like, have I got that really wrong? Because it made sense in my head why it was called figure we of four. We might need to cut that out, Lauren. We <laughs> might need to cut that out. <laughs> no, I'll keep it in. So yeah, Miz does the figure of four and then it ends um, with the Miz doing a skull crushing finale. And that is me being the professional wrestling fan I am to know all the names of that and not just go, oh, he spun him around and locked him up and did all these things. <laughs> So what do you think happens next, though, with, like, J.D. McDonough and R-Truth and Dominic Mysterio? Like, they... Because J.D. was supposed to take care of the Miz and R-Truth, well, but... I do think there is a Judgment Day split of sorts on the horizon within the next few months. I think by WrestleMania, they won't be as they are. I would... I kind of think what's going to happen is we're going to see JD McDonough and Dominic Mysterio tag team, which I really, really like to see. I think Rhea will still be sided with them. And then I think Finn Balor and Damian Priest may be solo, may still, you know, 
kind of talk to them from time to time. But I do think that's kind of the direction we're going where we will see the, the breaking of them. I think the Miz feud is just a very minor thing that they're doing right now. I don't think the well, Miz will no, be involved I, like much you said, longer. It's minor, but I think it's a way to get the Miz back into the face, yeah. back into a face, yeah. uh, you know, personality. And I think it's they're doing a good job at it at the moment. But moving on, then we got a Seth Rollins promo. Yeah, so fun fact, Seth has never headlined wrestlemania he's also never taken a belt into wrestlemania he's left wrestlemania with a belt he's never taken one in um he does a promo jinder mahal comes out and one thing i've written here is jinder spits facts when he talks but i feel like right now jinder's doing a great job at like what he did last week with the rock came out and now what he's doing with seth but i kind of feel like he's a bit of a punching bag he is, yeah, hundred percent. He He's is getting on the paycheck. To be an excuse for everyone to hate to make someone else look good, uh, and for him to have a match next week against Seth for the world heavyweight title, that's quite interesting as well. He's doing well for himself. He's not. Can you imagine if he wins that? He's not going to win. Can you imagine though? But have you seen that on um, social media? Tony Khan has been like who the fuck is Jinder Mahal like allowing this and it's just given everyone to back Jinder Mahal because they're just like shut yeah, the fuck up yeah everyone's saying Jinder's gonna get Jinder's gonna win or they want Jinder to win to shake it up but also what does that mean does that mean that people are backing Jinder because of what's happened on no. social media or they're backing Jinder because they're tired of Seth yeah. being a title holder right now I'm bored I think it's quite stale he, ca- he calls himself you know he is a fighting champ I get that, but it's stale, man. It's really, really stale. I still, to this day, believe Seth should have dropped the title to Finn Balor. So my thing is, Seth has a personality, but he's not had a story. There's been been no story. Like, the only actual kind of good story he's had was the one with Finn, because they had the history. history, yeah. But other than that, it's just like random like matches here and there. Okay, yeah, Drew, he had a little bit of a story with Drew, and that you know Drew wants to wants to you know finish his story to some degree and take it. But it's take not a about Seth. In. But it's not about Seth. It is not. There's no history involved. There's no like. There's no energy. There's no like rock versus Stone Cold energy. Do you know what I mean? And there's I no felt emotion. Like, yeah, but we're like with Finn and Seth, you could sit there, watch the promos, you could watch the video packages, and you could make your decision then on who you want to back based off that. Where in everything at the moment, it's just kind of like, well, uh, I can't back anyone because I just know Seth's going to win. Yeah. You know, um, great wrestler, great on the mic, great personality. You know, got nothing against him. I just think. For, for to shake things up, I want to see someone take the title off Seth. Not Jinder. Will it be Jinder Mahal? <laughs> Probably not. Would I like it to be Jinder Mahal? Probably not, because I don't I don't know where you go from that. But also, if it was Jinder Mahal, I'd be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I would be pleasantly surprised. So yes, um, like I said, Jinder, Jinder Mahal comes out to confront Seth Rollins, uh, and then you know, you got you know, Rollins made fun of him last week for what he got himself stuck into with the Rock and things like that. But uh, it turns out we're getting a, we're getting a title match this 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 coming Monday. But that leads us on then to a singles match of two big meaty men of Ivar and Otis. I swear we've seen this match we like ten times. We have seen this a couple times. <laughs> we have seen this a couple times. But I think it's always fun to see two big guys sort of go at it because Ivar's quite impressive when he does a moonsault and things like that. Otis has got some great personality when he's doing the worm and things like that. Yeah. So it's nice to see them. But also Chad Gable is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, interesting. We didn't Wonder see where Chad he was. Gable this week. Um, 
some cool moves that I wrote down. So Otis catches Ivar and does the world's strongest man, which, you know, is very... The world's strongest man? Yeah, move. He, like, picks him up and then slams him down. Right, okay. Sorry, I I thought you were talking about Mark Henry for a second then. No, so it's just impressive to see it happen to, like, another big man. Um, Ivar does a sit-down powerbomb on Otis, which is really cool. Ivar, of course, does his moonsault, and that's... Is it not a world's strongest man powerbomb? I've never heard of a move called the world's strongest man. Well, but then again, m- I just called the figure four a finger four. It might be, but Michael, not- either Michael Cole or Wade Barrett only said world's strongest let's man. Just, and let's as just I'm be trying real. to write notes, that's all I heard. No, let's just be real. When you were watching this song and you were writing these notes, you were drinking wine at the same time. So, you at know, taking it together notes. under control. <laughs> um, but they're kind of the only things I wrote down. Like I said, I've seen this match so many times, kind of... Kind of ready for that story to move on. Do you have anything to add before I talk about what happened at the end? Not really. Like it was quite a short match. Yeah. Like I said, it was quite a short match. You got the, like I said, you got the, you know, I've had doing a moon salt. Uh, Otis doing the worm. So you had their moves, their moves mm-hmm. to get the crowd in. But other than that, no. So Otis wins, and then Tazawa gets in the ring and is like, "I'm next. I'm next." And Ivar goes, "You think you're big, little man?" And <laughs> that's kind of yeah. So we may see a Tazawa versus Ivar coming up which would be hilarious because if t- there's no way Tazawa could win that no, the, you the imagine, science no. the can physics can you imagine he gets a sly roll up pin and gets a 1-2-3 yeah. that'd be great so we come on to our main event and I want to put my hands up and say um, this was so Shinsuke Nakamura versus Cody Rhodes in a street fight and it was so boring I fell asleep wow did you fall asleep because it was boring? Did you fall asleep because you had too many glasses of wine? I only have one like, glass, thank you very much. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. It doesn't take you much, does it? Um, I love Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm not the greatest Cody Rhodes fan, but this was the most boring street fight I've ever seen. Do you know what? Do you know what? For a street fight, I wanted to be... It definitely there was didn't, no brutality. It definitely didn't meet up to street fight expectations. And when you had a bout like that, that I think was over half an hour long... You know, and you're not getting... Okay, we are, we, we asked for tables. We got a table out. We did get tables. We got two tables, but one of the tables was, like, the most pathetic table ever. Oh, it was ever. pathetic, wasn't yeah. it? Was it, like... It just kind of fell... Like, it, like Sh- it... Shinsuke, like, kneed Cody through the table, yeah. but, like, the table was got, was on its way out already. When Cody lay on it, the table was already gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was very, very weak. I mean, comparing it to the street fight, and I know this was on a PLE, but comparing it to the street fight tag team uh, we saw of KO and Sami Zayn versus The Judgment Day, where we had KO doing, like, swanton bombs off the side. We had, you know, uh, there was blood. We had them smashing each other's faces in... There was um, dustbins, there was sticks, yeah, there like was chairs, got, got, there was tables. We got, we got everything. We got every weapon you'd expect. In I a didn't see a fight. trash can. No, but I feel like the, I feel like it just they weren't used in a good way. You know what I mean? They weren't used in a creative way. It wasn't an aggressive street fight. It was a poxy little street fight. It's a poxy little street fight. I think, yeah, I definitely think the first fifteen minutes of first fifteen minutes to twenty minutes of the match was a lot more entertaining than than the whole thing in general. We well, did get to see some red mist, though. We did, but the red mist... Now, I might get this fact wrong. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura red misted the timekeeper, and the timekeeper, I believe, is Cody Rhodes's cousin or his wife's cousin. It's a relative of Cody Rhodes, which was interesting little... That is quite interesting. Little Easter egg for you there. Quite, what was quite funny during that match as well, which we laughed at a little bit, was we didn't see a trash can, but we saw a broom. 
Yeah, like, Shinsuke Nakamura got a broom from under the ring and, hit and he Cody rode there. it. And then he wrote the broom <laughs> like he was Harry Potter, like he was right. Harry Potter or something. What if if Shinsuke Nakamura was in any of the houses in Hogwarts, which house would he be in? Well, I mean, as the moment Slytherin, he couldn't be anything else. Really? He's such a heel. Think okay, about so it. take take out his take out his heel character right now. T- think back to his as character. A face. Think back to his character when he was a face. Oh, Hufflepuff. I think he'd be a Hufflepuff. Yeah. I think he's quite I think he's quite intelligent in the way he wrestles. I think mm. I'd have to go Ravenclaw, I think. Nah. No? Mm. Okay, if we all know, we we both know what Cody would be. Ugh. He'd have to he'd be a Gryffindor. Yeah. Boring. But let's just say to Shinsuke Nakamura, don't give up your, your day job. Don't ride brooms ever again. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, so Shinsuke wins. Shinsuke, no, sorry, Cody wins. Shinsuke gets buried again. Um, and I just think he's got this amazing heel character. Give him a feud against not a top dog so he can actually win and actually like make his heel character but, look something. Do you know what's really disappointing the more he loses? It's just kind of like it's, there's such good video packages leading up with Shinsuke Nakamura with the manga anime style stuff they're doing. It's so interesting to watch. And yeah, as Nakamura is being here and he's telling these stories, it's, you really want to back him, and then he just gets buried. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a really cool end to the match. If I'm not mistaken, Cody Rhodes hits the pedigree, and then after the pedigree, then he hits the crossroads, and that's when he gets the one, two, three. So it's a nice string of moves by Cody Rhodes there. But overall, I think for a street fight, I mean, it's not a 10 10 for me. Street fight to me should be brutal. It should be aggressive. It should be, you know, you come away from it thinking, ooh, that was tough. That didn't happen. But overall, Monday Night Raw, what was your most, what was your favourite bit of this week? Our truth promo package was the best. One thing I want to say is, I think personally, Raw beat SmackDown this week. I would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same, because we're going to move on to SmackDown now, but Raw definitely beat SmackDown this week. Uh, we enjoyed pretty much... You know, even though we just we just berated the street fight at the end there, we were quite in, we were quite locked in on every match, weren't we? I felt yeah. like the matches were a little bit more enjoyable this week. Um, they weren't they weren't like dragged out and slow. They you know they had purpose to all of them. You yeah. know, but our truths promo seems to be the standout for me this week. Yeah, our truth keeps stealing the show. We're SmackDown this week for an hour and a half show. 40 minutes of this show had to have been commercials, or had to have been like video packages or wwe shop promotions like we, we 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 got halfway through it didn't we and we looked at each other and we were like why does it feel like there's way more adverts in this this week's show than new than usual but moving on to friday night smackdown lauren kicks off so um it starts with a match between cameron grimes and grayson waller however as Cameron Grimes is walking to the ring, he's attacked by Solo and Jimmy. And the reason they attacked him is because they just wanted to be in the ring uh, so Paul Heyman could say his piece, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul Heyman gets in the ring and he's like, I'm not the bad guy. Why are you booing me? I'm not the bad guy. Nick Aldis is the bad guy. Nick Aldis is going to mean is gonna be the reason why your tribal chief is going to lose his undisputed championship because he's made this fail four way. Nick Aldis comes out and he goes, he basically says in not so polite terms, I don't give a shit about anything you say. Um, and because you've done this, you are now going to be in the main event and we are going to get a um, six man tag team. So solo Jimmy and somebody else versus AJ Styles, LA Knight and Randy Orton. 
And something that Nick Aldis says, which I really, really liked, was he said to Paul Heyman, don't think this is discussion. Don't think this discussion is between two equals. Basically saying, I'm above you. I do what I want. You have to obey what I say. Mm. Like Nick Aldis really, like, he really had the character of, He's really, I am boss man. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. He's really playing into like that managerial role. I think he's doing a much better job of it than someone like Adam Pierce. Which makes me sad to say, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. I love Adam Pierce, but he is. I really, I really enjoy this. I think, I think it, it's going to show the two, the two personalities of Adam and and Nick as well, right? Like Adam was running, the, running both shows before, so you know maybe he couldn't be asked dealing with all the bloodline issues and things like that, but. For Nick to step up and be like, you know, don't think this is a discussion. Like, this is what I say goes and things like that. That that makes you want to back him, do you know what I mean? Because it has been, really, when you think about it, it has been the bloodline calling the shots for SmackDown for however many weeks now. Oh, first match? Yes, Lauren, first okay. match. That's why so, I'm looking at you with the notepad in your hand. So, first match is the LWO of um, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro. This is the new um, members of SmackDown, um, of Angel and Humberto, who are the two guys that have basically joined Santo Escobar. Um, they haven't got a faction, that have they? They're just the three of them. They're kind of like well, teamed kind up. There's no name. That, he's kind of claiming that they're going to be the new LWO, aren't they, really? Yeah, he's, he says that he's found his true family and these are his true family. Um, to be fair, I don't really like the idea of Santos Escobar leaving one one group of, you know, a faction or whatever, a tag team to go to another one. I really want to see Santos go on a solo run. But I think he is in a solo run. He's just what, using them as, as bait. They're the tag team, but he's not going to tag team with them. He's in a faction, but he's not tag teaming with them. He has got a solo run. He's gone from a face faction to a heel faction. I quite like it. I'm not against it. Um, So we had... Santos Escobar's banging tune, which you know it's proper vibe when it comes out. Well, it's like trappy ass dun, tune. Dun, 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 right, dude, you don't need to, you don't need to dun, do that. Don't dun. do that. Don't do that. Last right, everyone's just tuned out. Thanks, man. <laughs> um. So anyway, the match was interesting. So a few things that happened. Um, we had a running over the top rope swanton bomb. That is definitely not the name for it. That is me trying to describe it the best I can. Um, something that was really interesting that happened is you know when the runner when the um wrestlers are like running back and forth against the ropes running the ropes they're running the ropes they were running the ropes and Angel dipped the ropes so Cruz del Toro fell through the ropes out the ring for I was very it's quite clever smart. Yeah. quite smart that I enjoyed that um Joaquin did a spike DDT which was looked really really powerful and he would have got the pin but um that had to be broken um so he didn't get the pin. Um, there was a really cool move. Now, I do not know the name of this move. I wish I knew the name of this move. I'm going to try and describe it the best I can. Angel and Humberto are stood on the ropes. They're on the top rope. Well, they're on the second rope, are they? Yeah. And they, they kind of just lift him up over their head and then just like throw him on his back. It was yeah. a weird one. So they get Joaquin and they've got, they've each got one leg in one hand and one arm in one hand. So he's kind of like starfishing almost in like a Superman pose. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, they lean him forward and he does, it's kind of like a suplex-ish in the air kind of move. It looked really cool, but it was also very random. Definitely not seen that before. Um, we saw a spinning sit-down power bomb by Humberto, which was cool. Joaquin did this really sick poison rana, that which is cool. really cool. Yeah, I really like that move. Yeah. We saw Del Toro do a drop kick followed by a corkscrew plaza on the outside. 
Um, and then as all this is happening, it's all getting a lot. Carly owes music hits. And what's really funny is Santos Escobar goes, always oh, gonna take 10 minutes to get here. And Carlio just pops out of nowhere and gets him in, <laughs> gets him. So um, he takes him to the crowd. They have a little thing in the crowd that goes off. Um, and then it ends with Angel pinning. I can't remember who he pins. He pins one of LWO, um, but he does it while holding the rope and the ref doesn't see. So they get the win, but they got it through cheating. Yeah. I'd like to see another match between them next week on on SmackDown because I do, like I said it before, when we saw them live uh, in London, like Cruz del Toro uh, and Joaquin Wild, they're really impressive in the ring. It's really nice to see high-flying tag teams and they're quite bouncy with everything they do, you know? Um, so I want to see more of them. Yeah, it's a lot of high energy. Yeah. But moving on. We had a little backstage bit. I had a little backstage bit. Was this was this with Kamala Hayes? Yeah. So Kamala Hayes is chatting with Nick Aldis about his opportunity last week and things like that and how Nick Aldis was impressed with what he did in the United States tournament. And then we kind of get a moment where Kamala Hayes goes to talk about entering the Royal Rumble or being a part of the Royal Rumble. And then we get uh, Grayson Waller and Austin Theory interrupt that conversation. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Is Kamala Hayes going to be in there? Is, I, again... I'm sick of it. I don't want to know who's in the Royal Rumble. I want it to be a complete surprise. I would have loved to have been, like, been surprised with Kamala Hayes being in. I would be like, fair fucking play. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, maybe we'll see. Maybe we don't. But then we get sort of like a back and forth between the two. And we get the announcement for a match between Kamala Hayes and Austin Theory that night. Because I think, was was it Grayson Waller was making excuses that he couldn't fight Kamala Hayes that night because he had just wrestled. Yeah. And really, he hadn't wrestled at all because... Cameron Grimes. Yeah, he hadn't wrestled Cameron Grimes at all because they, he'd been attacked by the bloodline. So they're putting that, they, they were going to put those two together. We then had a video package. It was a very interesting video package. A very exciting video package. Is this Logan Paul's video package? You think I'm saying exciting about Logan Lauren, Paul? Lauren, you have the fucking notepad. I can't see. Yeah, but I thought by me saying an interesting and very exciting video package, you'd remember it. We've just talked about the entirety of Raw. Now you want me to remember all of SmackDown. Come on. So, it's two men in a pub. Oh, yes, okay. <laughs> okay. Now, right, you're on board okay, now, now, yeah? Now you've put okay, me on here. Okay. Now you've put me on here, because okay. I was actually really excited about this. Well, right. like, that's why I thought I thought you'd get it from saying a no, really no, no, exciting no, no, video I, package. Okay, 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 okay. My mistake, my mistake. I'll rewind, take it back. <laughs> Tyler Bates and Pete Dunn sat down having a coffee. No. Tyler Bates and, and Butch. Butch. Butch, sorry. I've always called him Pete Dunn, regardless if you go back to five episodes ago, I've always called him Pete Dunn. But anyways, we have Tyler Bates and Butch sat down having a coffee. Now, before I go on to this, again, a little bit of news I missed earlier. Tyler Bates is now officially part of the SmackDown roster. He's been put on the uh, on the, the the website as you know being on that. So great, great, good to see that thing. Good to see that stuff. And Tyler Bates is sort of confiding in in Butch about like you know he feels a little lost at the moment. You know with the with the boiling brutes, they it felt like it was good those two teaming up last week with Tyler Bates making his debut and them winning. And Tyler Bates is kind of encouraging him to find go back in time, remember where he came from. You know when they trained together in Blackpool and things like that, and really trying to promote British strong style wrestling for what it is. And he's kind of like telling him, like, you need to remember who you are and you need to remember your name. And then we kind of zoom in on Butch's face and he goes, well, I remember who I am. I remember that name. And then it cuts. 
So was that was he going to say Pete Dunne or was he going to say Bruiserweight? Regardless, it looks like we're going to get the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne back and yeah. no longer Butch. I'm so excited for this because even if it is, even if it is just those two teaming up together, Tyler Bates and Pete Dunne, I'm, I'm, I'm going to love it because the Butch character was great and all the Brawling Brutes was great, but like those two are really good wrestlers and they really do... I do agree with what Tyler Bates was saying that they should be together showing what British strong style wrestling is all about. And I really like that they didn't just go, oh, one day Pete Dunne's back. I like that they've introduced it as remember who you are, are. remember your name. And then he's going to come back as like the reason why Pete Dunne's back is because I've remembered who I am and who I've been this past however long was an act. And like, I know who I am in my heart and this is who I am. And that's why it's nice to have a story and not just, oh, this guys randomly come back yeah i'm really excited i'm really excited if, if we could if we come in next i wonder though is it going to be next week that we find out if he's got a new name i'll be really disappointed if it's not pete dunn or bruiserweight and he's got a brand new fucking shitty name it's like... not going to be brand new because they said remember, remember. Yeah, who know, you are know, if I it know. was like but you just... need if they, they say you need to find yourself yeah. or do you know what i mean they, they he kept talking back to you. he said do you remember when we were in blackpool do yeah. you remember what we used to do yeah. do you remember who you used to be so it's definitely gonna be pete so Dunne. do we i wonder if we're gonna see that next week or it he will be an entry into the royal rumble <gasps> as pete dunn that's exciting because then it could be new music for him new titatron things like that and yeah i'd like that i do, I, I doubt he would get a huge pop because I feel like only people, only, it's quite bad of me to say, but I feel like only people who know Pete Dunne of Pete Dunne. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of new fans that have come over since he was Pete Dunne and only ever known him as Butch. And also, I you think know? if it was in Britain, he'd get a bigger pop. If it was in the UK, yeah, he's getting a huge pop. Because even now, like when we went to see him in London again, years on, and we still chant Bruiserweight when we see him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to be cool. Yeah, I think I don't see them announcing it next week. I think it'll be Royal Rumble. I, I like that. Um, and then next we had Bianca Bella versus Bailey. Now, this match to me was a storytelling match. The whole point 100%, of this match, 100%. the whole point of this match, it was required for them to tell the story of Bailey not being part of damage control anymore, essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, if we just talk a bit about what happened in the match, the match was pretty good. It wasn't either of their best matches, in my opinion. Like, I really like Bianca, I really like Bailey. I don't think this was either of their best. Well, it is, it is, it is SmackDown, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're not going to expect top-quality 40-minute match performance from, no. from those two because they've got to stick to a strict schedule. So if you just talk about some cool moves that happened. So Bianca did a cool diving crossbody over the top rope. Um, there was a cool moment where Bianca, sorry, Bailey ties Bianca's braid to the bottom rope so she can't get out. But Bianca actually uses it as a trip and she trips Bailey into the turnbuckle, which is quite a funny little thing to happen. Um, we see a cool suplex from Bianca that goes into a backbreaker. Um Bailey does a really cool elbow drop, which was probably one of the bigger moves in the match, I'd say. Um, but all of this leads to a bit of a turning point moment. Mm. So do, do you want to talk about it? Or no, carry on. Okay, so what happens is Bailey, I can't remember what she does. Something happens and Bianca gets pushed out the ring and Bailey pretends she's hurt her knee. Yeah. And she does this so that the ref will be distracted with Bailey so that damage control can so hurt. Sort of get, yeah, get the upper hand on her damage, damage Bianca. And yeah. then throw her back in the ring so 
Because that's what all heel factions do. Any faction, if they're at the ring, someone causes a distraction, they get a few cheap shots in. Mm -hmm. Um, But damage control just do nothing. Yeah, nothing happened. They just stare. And even even you know Bailey was looking at them, being like, "Well, guys, like you're supposed to." Because I think she got out of the ring, didn't she, to get to bring Bianca Belair back in, and she was looking at all the damage control, being like, "You're supposed to do something when this happens," you know. But they didn't do anything. So they get back in the room. Bianca does a spear and then she does a kiss of death to win. Um, and that was the match. But then we get a little backstage segment and Bailey's like, what are you doing? Why were you not helping? And Dakota, and we said this for ages, Dakota Kai is kind of the puppet she's master puppet in all of this. Um, she takes Bailey and she's like, look, we wanted you to be able to win this match on your own because your plan says that you are going to win Royal Rumble by yourself. And she keeps reiterating this on your own by yourself message. And they're like, we didn't want to interfere. You know, you've got this big plan. We want to hold all the gold, but you need to be by yourself to do that. And then they all leave and just leave Bailey. And that's why that's why I think hopefully, you know, Sasha Banks or like someone like Trinity comes back and helps her. Because what would be really cool is if at one point you had Bailey, Asuka and Kairi Sane all stood up together and then you know, the Kabuki Warriors look at each other, look at Bailey, and Bailey kind of gets that inkling of, oh, they're going to attack me now. They're going to get me out, you know. But, you know, Dark Otokai has been saying the whole time, you need to win this on your own, you need to be the leader, and blah, 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 blah. And then as they go to attack Bailey, then you get the countdown of 10, 9, and then someone comes up to help Bailey. I think that would be quite cool. I think that's how it's going to go. I think what we're going to see is, I because we haven't got long left, we've got two episodes, essentially. I don't think we're going to see Bailey completely leaving damage control before the Royal Rumble. I think during the Royal Rumble... That's got to be the turning point. She's going to realise they're not there for her. Yeah. And like you say, I think we're going to see Sasha and Trinity. It's just is Trinity's... WWE name Trinity or is she something else? Yeah, no, I think, she I think she was Trinity. Um, I think we're going to see them come and she's going to realise, oh, these are the people that have my back. These are actually my friends and turn to side with them. And Yeah, I think Royal Rumble's going to be a turning point. I also her. think Bay just deserves a WrestleMania moment Yeah, as well. She deserves to be on in on the main stage fighting for something like the WWE title. She spent the last year putting everyone else over by herself. It's time for her to focus on yeah, herself. Yeah, 100%, 100%. But moving on, we then get Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits marching their way to the ring. Uh, they seem very pissed off with what happened last week against uh, the Authors of Pain and Karrion Cross. So they're kind of threatening, you know, that faction and kind of gunning out for them, really, until... Sorry, I got to scratch my nose until Paul Ellery comes out and points at the Titatron, which then we get a video package of Kieran Cross speaking about the new era of the Authors of Pain, and they're now going to call themselves the Final Testament. So it's going to be Kieran Cross, Authors of Pain, and everyone like that, and they call, they said the end is near, and they're the Final Testament. What do you think about that name? Love the name. I quite like the name. What's the name of the... Does Bobby and the Street Prophets have a name yet? People have said they're going to be called the Almighty Prophets, but I don't think it's been announced yet. That's garbage. But I really like... um, I really like this. I really like the video package. I really liked how Karrion Cross described Authors of Pain and himself. Like, he didn't describe any of them as, you know, the hardest men or the brutal. He was describing them each as, like, Statistic, sadist. Wait, what's that word? Sadistic. 
like saying that they're all like mental in the head yeah. basically saying the reason why they'll win is be- is because they're so aggressive is because they're not right in the head they want everyone to feel pain they want everyone to be tortured essentially mm-hmm. and i really like that side of things um it was a really cool promo package i hope this is going to be the start of something interesting for carrying cross um so what does this mean though in terms of character if you're going to you know generalize them both as characters of a face or a heel are we taught are we saying that bobby lashley and the street prophets are the faces now oh, they're pure faces they try to make him heal yeah, they couldn't I, get I him to boo like him that's at what, all that's what i'm thinking like they fa- they didn't fail but like when you've got people like bobby lashley who's so over the crowd and then a tag team like the street prophets who are also so over the crowd and you try to make them heels it's it, you know you've got uh, more of a less of a percentage of the crowd backing them as heels and faces who is booing bobby lashley who yeah, the hell is saying, gonna boo right? bobby like, lashley that's what i'm saying but we'll see what go- we'll see what goes from there and i'm hoping karrion cross actually wins a match at some point because i don't think we've ever seen him win, win a match no. but moving on we then get is there anything you want to talk about in between because i was going to yeah. talk about cameron hayes versus yeah. austin that's theory. what i got next yeah, so then we have Carmelo Hayes versus Austin Theory. Um, this match was, well... I've got some cool moves first. Yeah, it started, some cool moves? and then we're on a commercial break, and then it was quite short when we came back from the commercial break, but we'll get into why. But go on, go on, talk about the moves. So um, Carmelo Hayes was the ringleader oh, of this sorry, match. Sorry, before we, before we go on to the match, sorry, I wanted to say quickly that Austin Theory's trunks was fucking, were really fucking cool. <laughs> I don't know why I noticed this, but Austin Theory's trunks he had these, like these green trunks on with the Austin Theory logo on the front, but on the back it had the words Austin Theory on it. But in the in the you know in the logo of the 1999 to two thousand and one old school SmackDown logo, and I think that's really cool. And I'm, I've noticed that Austin Theory does this quite often, where he'll change his trunks based on. Uh, an event that's coming up, like a PLE or things like that. For, for WrestleMania, I think he had Theory Goes Hollywood and he had like gold trunks. So I thought I thought the old school like SmackDown logo was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carmelo, yeah, in my opinion, Carmelo Hayes carried this match. So he was doing all the cool moves. So we saw him do a cool drop kick. We saw him do a fadeaway, a flying clothesline, a face buster. Um, the flying clothesline was probably my favorite. I thought that was a really cool move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he was doing all the big moves essentially, but it didn't last long because there was an incident. Well, yeah. So Theory uh, tries to come back at Kamala Hayes doing a Spanish fly off the uh, top turnbuckle, but as they do that, they both come off it, and it looks like they both kind of land on their heads and twist their heads and then and the neck and things like that. Like I think I saw a still image of it, and Austin Theory's neck is completely like just tucked in. Uh, and so is Kamala Hayes. And you even said Kamala Hayes' eyes are just, they look they look like an, on a different yeah, planet. Yeah, you can't see Theory, but I'm sure he was the same. But as it happens, if you look at Carmelo, his eyes are not there. He He's definitely dazed for that moment. So this is, this, this is the second time this month that the referee has had to hold up the X and call off a match as a no contest because of an injury. We're only like 12 days and into the month. And we're only 12 days into, Jan- in, you know, into, into the year or something like that. So, you know, hopefully they, they're going to be okay. You know, they were even advertising that Cameron and Hayes was supposed to be teaming up with Trick Williams at NXT this week to kick off the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Tournament, or Tag Team Classic, sorry. Like, yeah, tough one. Yeah. Tough one, but hopefully they're all good. It looked rough. Um, but yeah, like I say, hopefully they're all good. So that ended... 
Um, and well done for the ref because this the ref literally um, put the X up within what within seconds seconds of it happening. He didn't wait. He didn't spend a second checking if they were okay. He looked at he looked at theory and just went, Nah, it's over. And, and do you know he... what? Like I th- I I didn't feel because I always feel like sometimes bad for the crowd when they pay to to see you know wrestling matches and things like that. But I felt like the crowd were quite understanding of this is wrestling. This is what's going to happen. And even Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick were like, you know. This is why we say don't try us at home. These things can happen and yeah. will happen, you know. So it was good for them to keep it. I don't. I don't know if we watched the replay of SmackDown, um, or they cut it because never mind, never mind. I don't know. I don't know if they cut it. it cut it in a replay or whatever yeah. that. You know what I mean? But moving on, we then had Randy Orton and AJ Styles versus LA Knight, Jimmy Uso, and Solo Sokoa, and a, a mystery opponent. But that mystery opponent never happened. Paul Heyman basically took out right side. I swear you just said we had Randy Orton and AJ Styles versus LA oh, Knight Jimmy Uso. Sorry, in the six man tag, yeah, it was Randy Orton, AJ Styles, LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, and another opponent. And another opponent. But Paul Heyman couldn't find anyone. Yeah, so we had backstage segments throughout the night of uh, Paul Heyman trying to entice people. So he offered an apple to Carlito, and Carlito was like, nah. Um, he asked um, Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley very coolly was like, um, the only time I want to be in the ring with the bloodline is when I'm opposite Roman Reigns. Yeah. Cool, I'd like to see that match. Um, pretty deadly offered their services to Paul Heyman, not, realizing, not realizing what <laughs> it was for. Yeah. And then when they figured it was just one person and who they were up against, they were like, nah. Apparently they had plans that they forgot about yeah. and they had to, they had to go away. Um, so yeah. yeah, starting off with the match, Randy Orton's music hits and he walks out. But as he gets halfway down the ramp, Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa try to get the upper hand as soon as possible where they attack Randy Orton and Solo hits Orton with a Samoan spike. We then go into a commercial break and that then we get AJ Styles and LA Knight come out. So it just seems like a normal tag team tag team match at this point. It was kind of boring. It wasn't that bad, Lauren. Again, just be like you you have the attention span of a fly, honestly. Anyways, the match begins and Knight knocks down Uso. He then tags out and Styles continues to attack Jimmy. Styles tags out and Knight comes in and he gets a cover. One, two, three, they kick out and things like that. So again, a very much back and forth match. There was a bit of animosity between uh, AJ Styles and LA Knight in which uh, AJ Styles seems to think that LA Knight was screwing him. So AJ Styles didn't want to tag in LA Knight. Uh, so they were kind of arguing amongst themselves. You have there. to remember that LA Knight took AJ Styles's um position with John Cena. Do you remember? So it was meant to be John Cena and AJ Styles versus the Bloodline. The Bloodline took out AJ Styles and LA Knight took over that. So you can see why AJ is kind of a bit not sure on LA Knight. But anyways, as they're having that argument there, uh Jimmy goes to uh super kick AJ Styles, but Styles ducks out of the way, actually hitting uh LA Knight. Styles and Jimmy then go at each other together and then we get Randy Orton's music play again. So Randy Orton's not forgetting what's just happened. He comes out sort of holding his his jugular, being like, oh, you hit me with your thumb and things like that. Um, Also, like... Solo looked extremely... He looked worried. Yeah, and I liked it. Like, fair play to him. He really acted that out well. So because of that, then uh, it then goes into what the original mashup was where it was supposed to be a six-man tag, but it turns into a three-on-two handicap tag team match. So AJ Styles tags in uh, Randy Orton. Randy Orton attacks Jimmy and Solo. Orton uh, with a pa- hits a power pu- power slam on Jimmy, who rolls to the apron, and then Randy hits him with a hanging DTT. DDT. Jimmy super kicks him, but then he recovers, and Randy Orton gets with the RKO to get the win. 
But then we move on to after the match then. Seems like they weren't really done with the bloodline, were they, Lauren? No. So Solo attacks Orton from behind, but Styles attacks him with the phenomenal forearm and Knight hits him with the BFT. Of course, when you've got three superstars like AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and LA Knight all in one ring, they've all got to hit their special moves. It's illegal if they don't. Uh, and then Styles and Knight argue still uh, about who screwed who. Um, and then Orton gets an RKO onto uh, Jimmy. They throw Jimmy over, out of the ring, over to uh, into the crowd, and then they focus their attention to Solo Sokoa. Randy Orton and AJ Styles get Solo Sokoa up onto Elliot Knight's shoulders so they can powerbomb him through the announce table. And the way they did it looked like they were paying homage to the Shield to some degree, because it's pretty much exactly what the Shield used to do when they were together. Uh, at that point, then, we get the uh, copyright come up, and that's the end of SmackDown. Next week, we're going to get a contract sign-in between Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and LA Knight. That'll be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. That'll be really interesting. I'd like to see what's going to, ha- what's going to happen there. But Lauren, favourite favorite show of this week, favourite moment this week, uh, and any predictions going forward? Raw, R-Truth, predictions, Bailey is leaving damage control. There's not much else storyline going on at the moment. Nothing that I can like when decipher anyway. When you've got something like the Royal Rumble coming up, you know what I mean? And and that that event in, in itself. I guess a question I've got is, um, you've got the men's Royal Rumble, you've got the women's Royal Rumble, you've got the fatal four-way. There needs to be probably at least two more matches. There's, there's the United States t- title. Oh, the United Kevin States. There's Logan at least Paul. one more, if not two and more we're matches. Pro- we're probably going to get Seth versus someone. Yeah, because Seth because, is not who, be because in the every, Rumble. Who, who? Because everyone who's talking about going for Seth's title have all entered themselves into the Royal Rumble, apparently. So who would be who would step up? Will we see Jinder Mahal versus Seth Rollins at the Royal Rumble? <laughs> I mean Who is it? Because we're gonna ha- we've got two episodes. He's fighting Jinder next week. So you've got one episode to like he might, he doesn't have to be there. He doesn't have to have a. because so remember, who the, are we going to see? No, because remember, the, both the women's and men's Royal Rumbles they go on for at least an hour and a half. We could also have an EO or Rhea match. It could be Rhea Nia Jax. It's probably going to be Rhea. Ni- no, because we could have Rhea Nia Jax. Oh no, is she entering herself into the Royal Rumble? This I is what like I mean. This is, is what confuses yeah. me when people enter themselves in the Royal Rumble. I just don't. I don't want to guess. No, sorry, I do want to guess, but I don't want to have to like figure this shit out for yeah, you. Yeah, Nia's we in gave, the Royal Rumble. We gave, we gave the WWE writers too much credit with our money in the bank theory, so we're not giving them any yeah. more though. And we're gonna have to start charging moolah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What about you? Favorite? No, I'd agree with it. I'd agree with everything you said. Really, I oh, think. Nice for you to agree with me. Yeah, for once. But anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Hero Job podcast this week. Uh, thank you for everyone who's uh, connected with us on Instagram and TikTok. If you'd like to keep up to date with us, you can follow us at Hero Job Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. But other than that, we'll be back next week with uh, our review once again. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. You're gonna have a blast opening that, Lauren. <laughs>